Thank you all for being here this day. Um, in your bulletin, I have the scripture reading in the ESV, but I'm not reading from the ESV. Uh, Melody did not read from the ESV either. I'm going to be reading from the ERV, the easy reading version, which I find helpful in this passage. So hear the word of God. I am reading uh, Luke chapter 24, beginning where the last passage left off at verse 13. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were going to a town named Emmaus. It is about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking about everything that had happened. While they were talking, discussing these things, Jesus himself came near and walked with them. But the two men were not allowed to recognize Jesus. He asked them, What's this I hear you discussing with each other as you walk? The two men stopped, their faces looking very sad. The one named Cleopas said, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who doesn't know what has just happened. Jesus said, What are you talking about? They said, It's about Jesus, the one from Nazareth. To God and to all the people, he was a great prophet. He said and did many powerful things. But our leaders and the leading priests handed him over to be judged and killed. They nailed him to a cross. We were hoping that he would be the one to free Israel. But then all this happened. Now, something else. It had been three days since he was killed... But today, some of our women told us an amazing thing. Early this morning, they went to the tomb where the body of Jesus was laid, but they did not find his body there. They came and told us that they had seen some angels in a vision. The angels told them Jesus was alive. So some of our group went to the tomb too. It was just as the women said. They saw the tomb, but they did not see Jesus. Then Jesus said to the two men, You are foolish and slow to realize what is true. You should believe everything the prophet said. The prophet said the Messiah must suffer these things before he begins his time of glory. Then he began to explain everything that had been written about him in the scriptures. He started with the book of Moses. And then he talked about what the prophets had said about him. They came near the town of Emmaus and Jesus acted as if he did not plan to stop there. But they wanted him to stay. They begged him, stay with us. It's almost night. There's hardly any daylight left. So he went in to stay with them. Joining them at the supper table, Jesus took some bread and gave thanks Then he broke some off and gave it to them. Just then, the men were allowed to recognize him. But when they saw who he was, he disappeared. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this resurrection day. And we thank you for the testimony of the saints who've gone before us. And we thank you for the things that they saw and the things that they wondered at. 
We thank you for sending them the Holy Spirit so that all of these things would begin to make sense. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be present here in this sanctuary this morning as we try to make sense of your scriptures. These favors we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. So how is it that we are to understand things that are wonderful or amazing or unbelievable? How do we understand things that are true and real but just don't make sense? This morning I want to talk about wonderment and amazement. And I want to talk about belief and disbelief. I want to talk about understanding how God makes sense of and gives to us a faith-filled understanding of things that are by themselves unbelievable. For you philosophers, I want to talk about the epistemology of Easter. Let's take a look at our passage. You know the story, it's so familiar to you. Jesus died on Friday, he was executed, and he died in the afternoon. The Sabbath begins at sundown on Friday, and so the family of Jesus can't take his body and prepare it then, because it's the Sabbath and they're not allowed to work, so they quickly take his body and lay it in a borrowed tomb. They'll deal with it on Sunday morning. And then the Sabbath happens all day Saturday. They rest from their labors. And then early Sunday morning, the women go to take care of the body. This is a job that had been left from Friday that needed to be done on Friday. But early Sunday morning, they're going to go do it. And they bring all of the spices that they need to prepare the body for its proper burial. Among the women who are there is the mother of Jesus. In the scripture reading this morning, she's listed as Jesus, the mother of James. But James, of course, is the brother of Jesus. And so this is Mary, the mother of Jesus as well. A number of women are there. And they get to the tomb. I guess it's like a cave. It's a hole in a stone. And There's a door in front of it. There's supposed to be a door in front of it to keep, I don't know, wild animals out. They get there. The stone has been rolled away. And they go inside of the cave. But the body's not there. Verse 4 says to us, they did not understand this. Now these are women who may have been the women who actually carried the body of Jesus to the tomb on Friday afternoon. Why would the body be gone? It doesn't make any sense. People don't steal bodies. This is a very strange thing. There should have been a stone in front of it so no wild animal would have taken the body. They don't understand what's going on, but they see it. What do you do when you see something or hear something that doesn't make sense? Well, if you're a healthy human... You wonder about it. You allow yourself to be amazed. It's hard to believe. The body was just here. It's not here now. I wonder what happened. Wonder is the step before faith. You don't have faith if you don't first 
wonder. Because in this moment of wonder, you keep your eyes open to what really has happened that you don't understand. The problem is, is that when we encounter something we don't understand and our minds shut like a gate. Oh, that can't be. I don't understand that, so that must not have happened. It's not possible for this body to have gone anywhere. These women see, they don't understand, and they're amazed. Step number one. Then something stranger happens. Two men, they're called men, maybe they're angels, I don't know. Bible doesn't tell us. Two men show up, and they're wearing shining clothes. A few weeks ago, Micah Graves, a graduate of Valley Christian School, was here playing the piano. He's going to be doing a concert here a little later this month. And he was wearing a beautiful, gold, shining coat. You know, the way a musician would wear. Lovely. The children were very... I don't know if they were more amazed by the coat or the music. He was such a a charming character, but they loved his coat. I kept hearing reports about... Micah's coat, maybe he'll wear it for us again later later this month. These men were wearing amazing clothes too. They're shining. The word in Greek is the word for the flash of lightning. Now, I would like to have clothes like this. Clothes that shine. Okay? They, They flash. I don't know what's going on here. The women don't know what's going on here, but they know what they saw. They don't understand it, but they see two men in shining clothes there. They're afraid. That seems natural. They fall to the ground in a submissive posture. And then these men begin to talk to them and say, Why are you looking for a living person here? This is the place of the dead. Why are you looking for a living person in a cemetery? It's a great question. What you're seeing here is the beginning of God's revelation that makes sense of what we can't understand. Let me say that again. What you're seeing here is the beginning of God's revelation which makes sense of what we can't understand. What they're seeing doesn't make sense. Okay, a dead person who was here a couple days ago, he's missing. Oh, now here are a couple men and they're wearing shining clothes. I don't know what to make of that. But God in His revelation through these angels or through these men who were inspired by the Holy Spirit, we don't know what's going on here. God begins to reveal what's happening here. And we see in verse 6, Jesus is not here. He has risen from the dead. So this is the first announcement that Jesus has been raised from the dead, which is also amazing. But these men go on to orient their thinking backward in time. And they say, do you remember what Jesus said in Galilee? He said that Son of Man must be handed over to the control of sinful men and killed on a cross and rise from the dead on the third day. Then the women remembered. In John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus, this is before Jesus' death, 
talking with his disciples, talking about what's going to happen after he dies. Jesus says he's going to send a comforter. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. And the job of the Holy Spirit is to remind you of everything that I said to you. Number one job of the Holy Spirit, to remind you of the words of Jesus. Jesus said a lot of things. He preached for three years. They were with him round the clock. They didn't remember everything. But the Holy Spirit then later reminds them, do you remember what he said in Galilee? Then they remembered. Oh, yeah. It is in reference to the Word of God. In this case, the words actually spoken by Jesus. It's in reference to the Word of God that these astounding, wonder-filled facts begin to cohere and make some kind of sense. Jesus' body is missing. These men are telling me that Jesus was raised from the dead. That doesn't make any sense. You're wearing these glowing clothes. And then you tell me, oh yeah, now I remember Jesus said something like this was going to happen. And now I'm beginning to understand. That's scene number one. Scene number two begins in verse nine. The women then leave the cemetery or whatever, or the garden or whatever that place was where the tomb was. And they go back to where the 11 apostles are gathered along with many other disciples. Judas, of course, at this point is already dead. He had committed suicide. The women come to the apostles. Maybe they're gathered in the upper room. And verse 11 tells us, this is after the women tell their story to the apostles. The women give the eyewitness, multiple women, not one woman. At least four women, maybe 14 women, show up back in this room. And they give an account of what happened. This is what we saw. This is what we heard. These are the things that... That happened. Things that would be admissible in a court of law. Verse 11. The apostles did not believe what they said. Why? Well, it's unbelievable. What a crazy story. Two men in shining clothes told us that Jesus was dead. It sounded like nonsense. Is what the apostles said. Now, this lack of belief... On the part of the apostles, this taking a wondrous story and saying that it's just nonsense, this is the opposite of wondering, of the wonder that leads to faith. This is the sad, close-mindedness of atheists. Atheists see wonderful things and they're like, oh, I can't believe that. And their mind shuts like a gate. The apostles could not believe. Because it didn't make sense to them. Their mind was already made up. Atheists already know that there is no God. And so when they see wonderful things around them, their eyes are blind. This ability to wonder. To be astounded by things that don't make sense is the step before coming to faith. It's not yet faith, because it doesn't have any understanding connected with it. And I think one of the reasons that children are in 
an especially privileged place with regard to faith and with regard to the kingdom of God is that for the most part, children have not yet lost their wonder. Old folks have. We've seen it all. You can't surprise me anymore. And that kind of hardness of the eyes and the ears makes older people more resistant, more unable to come to the faith. It's not impossible, but it's harder. The women bring their story. The apostles don't believe. But there's an exception. In verse 12, Peter runs off to see for himself. All right, what you're telling me doesn't make sense, but let me check it out. Let me check it out for myself. I think this is a very wise and mature approach to things that are wondrous and amazing. Rather than saying, oh, that's impossible, I can't believe it. Rather than having a prejudice against the possibility of anything wondrous happening. Peter's like, there's some reason all of these women told the same story. It doesn't make sense to me, but let me go look for myself. And so he also goes to the garden and he goes to the tomb and he sees that the body isn't there. He sees the clothes. So Jesus would have been wrapped like in a canvas and taken to the tomb. The the wrapping is still there. And the last verse or the last sentence in that verse, this is verse 12, I think is beautiful. Peter went away to be alone wondering what happened. Do you see how his mind is still open to the possibility that something unbelievable might have happened? His mind is not made up. He doesn't understand. But he's open to the possibility. Okay, something strange has happened here. End of scene two. We get a whole other story It's on the same day. A couple of the followers of Jesus, there probably were about a hundred of these people. So you've got the eleven. And then you've got a larger group around them. You know, a hundred, a hundred and twenty people who are kind of all disciples. They're all followers of Jesus. Two of them are on the road that afternoon, on the road to Emmaus. There's been all of the hubbub in Jerusalem. Maybe they're going home for the night. And as they're walking on the road, they're talking about these things. All of this, the the drama of Holy Week. The drama of the arrest of Jesus and the trial and the crucifixion. And then the body going missing. And and, and then the reports of, uh, of the women saying that that Jesus isn't there. They're talking about all of these things. And Jesus comes up alongside of them. (laughs) You know, the wonders never cease. He continues to surprise. Jesus shows up alongside of these two men who were just telling this amazing story. They don't know who he is. They don't recognize him. I don't know why. The scripture simply says, uh, puts it in, in, 
in the voice that says that they were not permitted to see. They're not able to see. And then Jesus says to them, you are foolish and slow to realize what is true. You should believe everything the the prophet said. And then Jesus begins to show how in God's word, God had already revealed that these things would happen. You'll recall that when the women encounter the two men or the two angels or the two whatevers at the garden tomb, that those men remind the women of what Jesus said. And now Jesus in turn reminds these two men of what the scriptures said. The Holy Spirit is always in the business of pointing us back to Scripture. God's self-revelation is contained in Scripture. Alright, and the, the work of the Holy Spirit is to remind us of what it is that is there in Scripture. You should believe everything that the prophets said. Well, these are righteous men. These are believing Jews But Jesus begins to go through it piece by piece. Verse 27, then he began to explain everything that had been written about him in the scriptures, starting with the books of Moses. And then he talked about what the prophets had said about him. And so Jesus begins to do an exegesis of Old Testament scripture, showing how this amazing thing that has happened is exactly what God said would happen. Which makes it a little more understandable. I mean, it's still astounding. But at least it's astounding and predicted. At least it's astounding and we had some kind of forewarning. They come to the town of Emmaus. Jesus intends to go on. They beg him to stay. He stays. And he breaks bread with them. And in the act of breaking bread, they recognize who he is. There's at least one member of this congregation who for the first time saw clearly who Jesus is in the breaking of bread in this sacrament. Being here at Huntington Valley Presbyterian Church one one Sunday celebrating that sacrament. The truth of what Jesus had done for us individually came alive in that moment. In that moment, Jesus became visible to them. Had they been with him at the Last Supper? I don't think so. I think at the Last Supper it was just the twelve. Had they heard about it? I'm not sure. But in this moment, in the breaking of bread, they recognize who he is. And then another wonder. He disappears. I can't explain it. Is it true? Absolutely. Let me talk to you about how this works. Christianity is not a philosophy. 
It's a religion based upon certain historical facts. Certain things happened. And those historical facts are as verifiable as anything that happened in the reign of Emperor Nero. These are real things that happened to real people that were recorded, double-checked, multiple witnesses. Strange things. Dead people coming back to life. It's not what you expect to happen. And then in combination with these extraordinary facts, some people keeping their eyes open to the possibility, oh, there's something wondrous going on here. I'm not going to close my mind to the possibility of something supernatural happening in my midst. Combined with that, God through the Holy Spirit opens the Word of God to them. Through the words of Jesus, reminding them of the words of Jesus. Through the words of Scripture. And all of a sudden, those concrete but very strange details in their life begin to make sense in the light of Scripture. That's the dawning of faith. This morning we are going to be receiving new members into this congregation. We will be baptizing one individual. Those people who are becoming new members in this service and then also in the, in the second service, you could watch more people join the church in the second service. They're going to be making a profession of faith. They'll be standing before the congregation saying, you know, I believe these things about Jesus Christ. You can't make a profession of faith if you don't understand what the church has always taught. What we teach here at Huntington Valley Presbyterian Church is nothing special. We just keep teaching the stuff that the apostles taught 2,000 years ago. We're just repeating the same old story. It's not new. All right? But you have to understand it. If you don't understand the basics of the story, then you're not yet a Christian. That's the understanding part. But what about the wonderment part? What about the openness to the possibility of something beyond my capacity to master being real? People who come to faith have a sense of wonder about them. They're amazed. They're amazed that God loves them. They're amazed that God has a plan for them. They're amazed that the creator of the universe knows their name. Those things are true. They're also amazing. And it's a blessed condition to be in to both understand these truths of what have happened in the past. And to also still have that childlike wonder. To have your senses opened. And when you combine the understanding with the wonderment, you have faith. Okay, not the one and not the other. You, you can't just have one. You can't, you can't use your reason alone and get all the way to faith. It's helpful. You can't simply be spiritual alone or wonder-filled alone and get all the way to faith either. It's helpful. You gotta have the two together. Every one of you who is here today 
has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Probably a hundred times at least. The creator of the universe made you and had intentions for you. You, like me and everyone else, have fallen from God's grace because of our own sin. We cannot pay for our own sin. The only way for our sin to be paid for is for a God-man to bear that sin on a cross. And so Jesus did that. And by faith in Jesus Christ, your sins are lifted off your shoulders and put onto Christ on the cross. And the full righteousness of Christ is put on your shoulders. And so when the day comes that you stand before Almighty God at the judgment seat, you will stand there robed (laughs) in robes of righteousness. Brother Rich is going to come up here in a few minutes to get baptized. He's got some robe. It's not as beautiful as the one you're going to get in heaven, okay? That covers you, the righteousness of Christ. If you have never, if you understand that, but have never laid claim to that, I beg you to do it today. You have to choose to follow Jesus. Okay? No one is born a Christian. There are no second generation Christians. Your mother might have been a Christian. That doesn't mean that you're a Christian. You have to choose for yourself. You may have been baptized as a baby. That doesn't make you a Christian either. Makes you a child of the covenant, but it doesn't make you a Christian. To be a Christian is to be a disciple of Jesus, which is to understand and still have that wonder. To have reason. And good reasons for why you believe. But still be amazed by it. This day we're going to do two things. Actually we got two sacraments. We only have two sacraments in the Reformed Church. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. So we do two today. This is like a... You're getting your money's worth this morning, okay? Alright, so here's, here's... just my, my final exhortation to you is if you haven't made that leap of faith, do it. Do it today. Easter 2021. Let this be the day of your salvation. Let us pray. Father God, we honor you and we bless your name and we recognize that you are the maker of this world. We don't understand it, but boy, we can't deny it. We thank you for your word and we thank you for uh, the testimony of the women who saw the empty tomb. And we thank you uh, for the stories that we see in the gospel of Luke, how they faithfully record all of these strange events that have happened. And Lord, we pray that as we come to these sacraments this day, that we would see them with eyes of faith. Lord, these elements are humble, bread and wine and water, but... By your power, we just pray that you would transform them uh, into wonder-working elements. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.